And a welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. We appreciate you being here with us as Wake Up Call all this week is live from Greensboro, North Carolina. And you can see Greensboro in the skyline behind me here. Happy to be here in North Carolina once again. I want to thank the wonderful state for welcoming Wake Up Call to your uh, your digs here and to be able to be down here in Greensboro once again. So we appreciate it so very much. Cafe Cabal on 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street, 401 South Salina Street in Syracuse, as well as on 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York, and on the corner of Route 11 and Taft Road at Sweetheart Corners in North Syracuse. Make sure you head out there and support local today and fill your cup up right. I know a bunch of you, after being up late last night with the news, probably need some coffee this morning, so make sure you head out to Cafe Cabal for that. Inside of Mon Paz, popcorn.com is what's popping. We have three fantastic guests this morning of Syracuse Orange basketball history that are going to be weighing in on Jim Beheim retiring, Adrian Autry taking over, and the current state of Syracuse. Hakeem War going to be joining us here in just a few minutes, the block heard round the world in that national championship, 81 to 78 over Kansas in 2003, 20 year anniversary. We'll be talking with Hakeem in just a second. And then around 9.45 a.m. Eastern time, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. will be joining me here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And we'll finish off the show at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time with Otis Hill. So a lot of great and fantastic guests coming up here for you this morning to weigh in on a very unique day in the history of not just Syracuse basketball, but basketball in general. And you're here with us on YouTube.com and Facebook.com backslash DT, as well as on WakeUpCallDT.com, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT, and on Podbean on WakeUpCallDT.Podbean.com for internet streaming radio. With that being said, I am honored and privileged to welcome my first guest to the broadcast who just had his jersey retired and put up in the rafters. Lots of emotions for this guy right now. Hakeem Warwick. Hakeem, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning. I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. I mean, you have had one of the most unique last few days. You celebrate the 20-year anniversary of the national championship. Your jersey gets retired at Syracuse. Your coach retires. A lot of emotions going on. I'd love to hear from you kind of what is uh, – What's on your mind? What's on your heart right now? How are you navigating uh, a very long week of emotions? I'm, do I'm doing well, man. It was, it was a great weekend. Uh, I was able to see a lot of the uh, team, some guys I haven't seen for a long time. Uh, so it was good to get back up there and see uh, old teammates and, and, and coaching staff and just uh some some fans that's been there the whole time and for me uh, it was my first time uh since senior night to actually watch a game in the dome so or be there at the game in the dome so that it was just a, a wonderful weekend and when you went back there like you said as your first time since senior night why has it been so long between when you've been there in your playing days to now how come there's there's been that distance there? I know you've been playing a lot and obviously doing a lot of work and whatnot, but just the span of time in between. Yeah, just uh, just working for the most part. Like I've been, I've been back up to campus a, a couple times, but it's mostly in the summertime and off season. Um, I was able to watch the team play in a couple a couple different times uh, and. 
New York and, and then DC. He was able to get to to the Final Four that year, but I haven't had a chance to to just get back up to the dome just just because me playing and uh, even playing or being away for the last couple of years. Uh, just haven't had the time to, to get back up there like during the season to watch a watch a game. That coming from Hakeem Warwick here with us. Uh, Hakeem, I, I want to go to the 20-year anniversary first. I, I can't believe it's been 20 years. I did, and and I said this on yesterday's uh, special broadcast we did last night about Jim Beheim and Adrian Autry, that back in 2003, hand to God, I made the decision of picking Syracuse to win the national championship. I was one of two people at Christian Brothers Academy, which is right down the street from Syracuse University, and... I picked you guys to win. Most people thought I was nuts. They thought I was a homer. They thought there was no way it was going to happen. So I want to say first and foremost, thank you for making me right. I do appreciate that. I'm I'm sad I didn't bet a million dollars. No, I'm kidding. And but but you know, bring me back to 2003. It's been 20 years, but I feel like you can close your eyes and go right back there. Yeah, so tw- 20 years ago, um, it's just a whole different uh, landscape than, than the college basketball you know now. Uh, it was traditionally senior and junior, like upperclassmen-led teams uh, that, that, that won and were successful. And uh, we, were, we were not that, so... We made a nice run and just with, throughout the whole entire journey, like at every, every, at every step, once we, we got to the street 16, we were running to the uh, elite eight. We ran into a, a, a team full of upperclassmen in Oklahoma. And, and, and we just would hear how, okay, Syracuse is, this young team has made a nice run, but the run is over and it just kept going, uh, going to Texas and then Kansas and we just kept going. So at that time, uh, it wasn't too many teams winning with mostly freshmen and sophomores, uh, being their leader, their leading scores and leading the teams and things like that in minutes. So, uh, we, we, we knew we were the underdog, but I think, that kind of helped us because we were naive to the fact and not know uh, how much pressure uh, we had on us. Yeah, you know, and and I remember, you know, the the conversation back then. A Big Twelve team is going to win the championship, no doubt in our minds. Big Twelve, Big Twelve, Big Twelve, and you guys had to go through Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and Texas. So you single handedly knocked the Big 12 pretty much out of the tournament. What does that mean to you when you reflect on that? And I think it's kind of ironic 20 years later that some people are saying the Big 12 is the best conference going into this year's tournament. But knowing that not only did people count Syracuse out as a three seed, but that they said specifically the Big 12 was going to win whatever team it was. And the fact that you, as a team, took down almost the entire conference. Yeah, we, 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 uh, like I, I felt that the Big East was definitely the, the, the best conference and it was just, um, it was good. Um, it's not too many teams. Um, we might have been the first team ever to win a Big East championship, 
a national championship and a Big 12 championship um, in the same <laughs> season. Um, I like that. It was, uh, like I said, those those Big 12 teams were, were all some of the best in the nation, and, and, and they, they had some some – some good seniors and, and, and juniors and they, they just uh a lot of the, the experts picked them to win but we we just believe that we can play with anybody and like i said I, we I, I thought that we the big east was the best conference um at the time so we felt like we played against the best teams in the nation and we we competed and won against them so we felt that we could could beat anybody Matt, coming here from Hakeem Warwick here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. I thought that was in, incredible what you just said. I appreciate that very much to win a Big East championship, a national championship, and a Big 12 championship. I like that. That's uh, very fitting, Hakeem, and, and very true in all sense of the imagination. So so looking at uh, this, this run – that you had in 2003 and then getting that phone call. I'd love for you to, to share with us, get, you know, make us a fly on the wall when you got that phone call, who you talked to and how it came about that your Jersey was going to get retired. Oh, so I'm, I'm out here uh, coaching right now with a uh, G league ignite uh, the head coach is uh, another Syracuse alum, Jason Hart. So um, at the time I, I, Got the, I got the text or the call from our media person, and uh, she was like that. Uh, I had an interview request for like Syracuse. They wanted to talk about the twenty year anniversary and things like that. And the crazy thing was, like, I just like did a, I just did like two interviews about it. I just had a, a whole sit down, uh, like video yeah. recorded with, with Mike Ward is about the 20 year anniversary. So I was like, are you sure? Like I just did like interviews. And she was like, yeah, they just wanted to ask you. It's what it's about is it's with Syracuse. And I was like, man, I just, I just did that. Like, they can't take nothing from that. I was like, all right, well, whatever. So I did, I, I had that set up. So we, we had um, practice. I think we were on the road. I forgot where we were. We were on the road. And um, so Jay Hart uh, was like, yeah, you got your, your interview. And we going to go, we going to all go with you. So um, so he, he brought the whole coaching staff with me. And I and I was actually trying to run away from them because I thought they just was coming just to like be in a room and just <laughs> mess with me, yeah, uh, laugh and stuff like that. So I'm, I was trying to get away from them, but they they kept following me. So I'm in the room. They got it set up, the computer. Um, I'm waiting to do the interview. They they over there. I'm just expecting them to just be in the background <laughs> trying to make me laugh the whole time. So I go to get up there and. Um, and I see Coach Bayham, and I'm looking like, man, they about to do the, and I'm about to do an interview with Bayham. Like this, it's weird, but okay. Um, so then we're about to start. We start talking, and then they they break the news. Uh, the AD was, was there too. It was those two, uh, him and Bayham, and um, I definitely had no clue. I, I, th- I really thought it was a, a regular interview, so it was it was it was shocking. And then Jay Hart. And, coaching staff because Jay knew the whole time um, 
they set it up with him. Um, so then he just congratulated me, and it just was a just a, a total surprise. That's incredible. You know, I, I love that, and I appreciate you sharing that story because it's really awesome that that's how you found out, and that's that's how you knew. So they knew the whole time. They're sitting here. You're thinking they're going to mess with you. You're thinking, you know, Jay Hart and the crew are just going to be there to try and make you laugh and whatnot. But here they are, so, you know, getting ready to celebrate you, getting ready to, you know, see this moment happen. When when you heard those words, when you heard, you know, Hakeem, we would like to celebrate you by retiring your jersey. We would like for you to, you know, live on in the history forever. When when they gave you that moment and that opportunity to live on forever in the world of, of Syracuse athletics, not just basketball, to take a step back and look at that when when you received that honor and that opportunity, what what went through you in that moment at that time when you when you realized, hey, you're going to be one of just a few people in the history of Syracuse to be asked the question, would you like your jersey retired? Oh, man, just extremely uh, grateful. Um, like you said, there's it's not too many people that they get that honor and have that honor uh, for what I think one is one of the best um, elite basketball programs uh, and, and the nation that makes it even more special. Uh, some of the best college basketball players that I ever put on the jersey are, are up there in those rafters and to, to have my name next to, 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 to those names, the, the uh, Carmelos, John Wallace, and Derek Coleman, Pearl Washington. It's just so many. Um, to be to, to be up there with, with those guys, um, it's, just a, it's just an honor. And um I mean, the, the the further I get away from it, the, the more special. It, it, I got chills just watching the video and just watching my jersey go up there um, and just being able to share that with my family and my, and my son. Um, just to, to see that, that atmosphere uh, for the first time, um, just something that I'll, I'll always be able to sit back and, and years from now, maybe my, my, my grandchild uh, to go up there and just see my name up in the rafters is just something that's just an amazing feeling. You know, and you got to do that. Speaking here with Hakeem Warwick, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum and Jersey is now retired and hanging in the rafters of the Dome. We're here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. To do that with your teammate, Jerry McNamara, what was it like to share that with him and have that kind of uniqueness, right? Because you're coaching now, he's coaching now. So to walk out on that floor and to be able to not only see your jersey retired, but have it be right next to his, just what that meant for you to have that moment as a duo and not just a single moment. It feels good, man, to to do it together because we accomplished something together um, that, a lot of people don't don't get a chance to to accomplish um and then what made it even more special was is to have our teammates because uh a lot of people probably wouldn't have been able to make it but because we were celebrating the the, the 20 year anniversary as well to be able to go there and and uh 
thought there together and just to have the, the whole team back to, to witness it and, and share the, the moment with us um, the entire weekend um, from watching the championship to our uh, getting a big win on Saturday and just celebrating the halftime with the O3 team and then to, to top it all off um, for us two to, to go up there together. Uh, it just made it a, a special, special weekend, a special uh, night. You know, and, and you, like you said, you got to be around the your teammates from 2003 to some of you. You know, it was the first time you've seen each other in 20 years. So what was what was that like to be back on the floor and and have that moment again? I mean, you're back on the court that you played on. You know, you're you're back where it all started when you won in 2003. It started in the Dome. 20 years later, here you are in the Dome. So to be around your teammates, to see everybody, because people are doing different things, right? People have families and jobs and whatnot. They move away. So when you get to be there with everyone, what are some of your favorite memories that you had from being on the court to, you know, sitting and having dinner to being with the media again? I mean, you guys got to do some special things together once again. What 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 was kind of the lasting memory for you and, you know, had there been people that you, you really hadn't seen in 20 years? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen, I, well, it hasn't, I've seen pretty much everybody. I've seen everybody, uh, but Billy, Billy, that I haven't seen him since I left Syracuse. Um, what was 18, 18 years ago. So to, to see Billy, that, that was definitely special. Um, cause he was a special part of that team. So to, to, to go out there and, uh, when he when when he came down, like everybody's so excited because he's just a great guy and just been such a he was such a big part of the team. Um, but he's just one of those guys that you just even when he was on campus, he, you just never know when you was going to see him. So uh, to, to to see him and share that moment with him um, was a special time. Um, and just for me, the whole weekend, like the, the highlight was just. Um, just at dinner, just share, just sharing all the stories and just getting good laughs about uh, some of the stories that we, we had in the past and just all, all the funny times and things like that. Um was able to share a couple uh, stories up there when we watched the, the game on, on Friday night. Um, just seeing everybody and just, uh, just talking and picking up where we left off. Um, even if you have, if we haven't seen each other for two, three, four, five years, uh, a couple months, like you see, get up there with Melo. Um, I probably haven't seen him in like a year or so. Uh, but every time we see each other, it's, it's, it's like time has not passed. We just pick up uh, right from, from where we, we last seen each other. And it's just something that we... We, we have that special bond um, that we'll always have together. And um, every time we see each other, it's just it's just love and it's just a great time. Teamwork here on the show, Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum. On the heels of a lot of things happening, his jersey being retired, 20-year anniversary of the 2003 National Championship, and some guy named Jim Beheim deciding to uh, hang it up after 47 years. So let's get into that. Jim Beheim has been the head coach of Syracuse longer than you've been alive, longer than I've been alive. And 
you know, that the day was going to come at some point. Hakeem, I, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I that, <laughs> it, that there were times in my life where I'm like, it's not going to happen. Like Jim's going to live longer than I do. Right. So I'm going to be 100. He's going to be, you know, 170 something or whatever. And so, you know, <clears throat> to have it happen has put me in a place where I've had a lot of emotions. I woke up, I dreamt about it last night. I woke up this morning and I still have that like feeling in my gut, that twisting of my, you know, insides and just kind of sitting here this morning with, with some heaviness. How have you handled the news of, of your coach deciding to step away? I mean, I think it's a little unfortunate. Um, like you said, he is Syracuse basketball. Yeah. And it just was a, it was a weird uh, ending, um, to say the least. Uh, I kind of felt uh, like the speech he gave on Saturday. I, I, well, not when he, when he was giving it, I was in the back like, is he about to say? Yeah. He's done. Like it kind of, it, it kind of felt like he said goodbye without saying goodbye. Um, but at that time, I wasn't. He, he didn't. So I, I thought it was. Thought he had at least maybe one or two, two, two years. Um, but then it just the rumblings came out uh, yesterday, and the way it happened, it just was just was a weird time. Um, but it's. Uh, I'm happy uh, for Red. And I think the program is in good hands. Um, it's just, it's just unfortunate um, that that he, he he didn't get his uh, the way other coaches like you knew. Like if if we would have known that that was his last game in the dome, it would have made it even more special. And to 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 really get a true send off uh, like the uh, like Roy Williams and Coach K. Uh, those, those those legendary coaches. It's just a shame that he wasn't able to to get that. Um, but uh, I mean, I guess if if you could take any one good thing about it, is 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 that uh, the celebration of the old three team um, and just seeing having everyone to come back and just celebrating that. Um, but it just was unfortunate that it that it, it wasn't. Um, that everyone wasn't aware that that would be the last time that that they they, they would see him uh, in the dome. When you look at that, do you think that in, in a way, maybe it wasn't all him, and that maybe this was a university decision or thought the way that it went down that that if if it was him a hundred percent that he would have told you guys or he would have done it during the ceremony or after your ceremony or something like that? I mean, do you feel that there was maybe some not knowing on his part in, in a sense for sure? And, and that's what led to it because I mean, from my perspective, I would think if this was a hundred percent Jim Beheim's decision, then I feel like he would have celebrated it at the dome and not in Greensboro. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it definitely seems that way. Um, like even, I, like I think I didn't really see the whole. I, I saw a little bit of the interview, um, 
when they were asking if he was retired, and he said it was the if it was the uh, it wasn't his decision. Um, so if it wasn't his decision, then it, it had to be someone else's. It doesn't sound like it was true, truly one hundred percent his decision. Um, so like, I think he kind of knew. That's why, like, just the whole weekend, like when he, I was able to. Uh, go to the awards banquet on Sunday as well. Um, and he was kind of emotional. Um, I think he had, so I think he knew or it was talks about it. I don't know why I, I wasn't a hundred percent. So I don't know if the, I don't know if the, whoever made the decision was a hundred percent sure or which way they, they were, maybe they were waiting to see how the season would end up. Um, but it's just, it's just the whole handling of it. Um, was just just weird um, and just uh, it just it, it's, it's just not the way uh, you expect it at the end um, for for such a legendary coach um, it just was just too much uncertainty and just um, it just happened fast um, it's just we were actually at the game we had a game yesterday it was like rumblings before. Uh, yeah, he said he made his retirement speech. I think that was maybe around three or four o'clock or something like that. And then next thing I know, about time we were about to start our game, which was at seven, uh, there was announcements that he had retired and uh, Red was named the coach. So. It happened quick, but I think it's been it had to the way it happened. It had to have been rumblings or talks about it for for yeah. for some time now. But it just was um, for for the people that wasn't in the know, like like me and most of the most of the people. Uh, it just was just a weird way for for something to end. Yeah. You know, uh, not a proper send off by any stretch of the imagination, and and a tough, a tough thing to take in. When you when you reflect on on Jim Beheim, everybody's got an opinion about Jim Beheim. I'm I firmly believe that a baby that is born today, three minutes ago, has an opinion about Jim Beheim, and, and so you know, and, and I've dealt with that you know my entire career of almost 20 years of broadcasting because I started, you know, right after you guys had won the championship in the same year. So reflecting on the last almost 20 years and everything that people have said to me or said around me, it's easy to know that, that everyone has taken up some type of an opinion on Jim Beheim for the most part, knowing him as your coach, what can you tell me about, being recruited to Syracuse. I want to go back to your recruitment days. And then as a second part, I would love for you to tell me how you would describe Jim Beheim to someone who doesn't know him. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a visionary. Uh, there's not too many from, from playing that zone exclusively. Um, I think that's what changed uh, the whole program around and the game around, and that's why he was able to to to, to win because he's seen games that uh, kind of thought outside the box and, and did things that a lot of uh, coaches and 
uh, or programs that, that did not do. And um, I know he did that with me. Uh, being able to see, like I wasn't a highly recruited guy, and for him to see something in me that a lot of the uh, top coaches did not see at the time. He, he was like the first one. And then once he, he, he saw that, um, like the, the people would come in and a couple other schools, big time schools started to, to recruit me, but he was the first one to, to see it. So, uh, he's, he's, I, I would say he's got a good eye for, for talent and just thinking outside the box. And, um, he's, I mean, he just knew, he, he just knew basketball. Like he, he was one of the best coaches I, I had and we needed to play and we needed to draw something up. Um, uh, for the most part, it was a, a we would be able to execute it and, and get a good, get a good shot out. Um, and he just, he just bled orange and just loved the the, the program. He loved the city, and uh, he just was was passionate about it and just loved it. And that's why he did it for so long. And um, it was probably tough for him to, to, to walk away because I mean, he was just. Syracuse basketball and just Syracuse, not just Syracuse basketball, but just Syracuse City, like it was so much a part of it. You know, and you said you weren't highly recruited. He was the first person to see you. What can you say about that recruiting trail and what it was like and how he interacted with you and, and made you feel special at a time where you didn't think a lot of people were looking at you? Like personally, what are some of those things that happened? Did he, you know, show up at the house? Did he show up at a game? How did he interact with you? And 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 how did that recruitment go for you? Because I feel like you know people say that Jim Beheim has fallen off in recruiting, and he doesn't know how to recruit. And and I would love someone who was recruited to Syracuse to give his thoughts on that. Yeah, like I was, I got into Nike camp because I came a day late. Because two players got injured, and I was like a fill-in, so I I was just uh, I wasn't ranked in the top 100 uh, nationally. Um, I mean, at the time, I was getting recruited uh, by some of the local schools, uh, like mid-major Atlantic 10 type uh, schools, but no, no, like big, no major schools were really, really uh, recruiting me. Um, and he just saw me, like it wasn't even in games. I was, he just saw my length and athleticism, like in drills. And uh, like, I heard the buzz from that. Uh, like, I guess he, he said something and it was just like a little buzz about it, about about me after after him watching me and then from that um was able to kind of snowballed and, and and i just remember him coming uh to like i'm from west philadelphia it's an area called the bottom it's not one of the best neighborhoods and this is a gym that i used to always go to on 34th street and um like i said at the time like i wasn't like highly recruited and there's been so many guys that have come in that gym uh that were all pub the top players in philadelphia um at that time i wasn't even like a, a philadelphia like legend um there's so many that came before me and i just remember him coming to that gym and just the people were just like shocked like jim Bayham, like like 
out of all the players that have come through this gym, the guys that played in Temple and Canisius and, and schools like that, and here is one of the best coaches uh, in all of college basketball, actually, in the gym. Uh, like that, that was like one of the, something that I'll, I'll never forget. Um, was actually a guy um, that was coming up writing poems and stuff like that, and, and coach was listening to him and just was, was friendly. Uh, a lot of other people would have. <laughs> Would have been annoyed and probably try to get him out of there, but coach was patient with him. He listened and he stayed in there, and um, he was unbothered um, of just being in the, in the chaos of, of of West Philadelphia, and just was able to come there, and come to 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 my house, and just to to to, to show that type of interest in me. Um, seeing that from a Hall of Fame coach, it was just an unbelievable feeling. It made me feel special. Well, and I thank you for sharing that, Hakeem, because I think it, you know, really it talks to the personality that people don't see of Jim Beheim. And, you know, what I think is amazing and is that your story, like you said, not not the best part of, of town in, in West Philadelphia and whatnot. And yet he comes in and there's somebody, <laughs> you know, doing poetry and stuff, you know, singing in front of him. And, and, and he's just taking that on and, and saying, you know, OK and being kind and whatnot. It seems like something that we don't talk about with Jim is that he's rather fearless, right? And he's willing to go anywhere, put himself in any situation, do anything. And, you know, and to go to any gym, how big or small it is and and how well somebody's known or not, you know, the fearlessness, the eye for talent, the desire to physically go there. You know, I mean, you might laugh when I say this, but when when I picture Jim Boeheim rolling up to cities and towns all over the place, it's kind of like, you know, when a rapper pulls up and you're like, who's in that car? (laughs) So like, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, the fact that, that Jim not only looks at the talent from afar, but comes close to find that talent did that with you, did that with so many. And, you know, that he's willing to to come to your neighborhood, to come to your home and shake your hand and see you and talk to you and understand you. And and I, I think that that's a lost art. The hand-to-hand combat is what I call it. And, uh, you know, you kind of spoke about it a little bit there, but to go a little deeper, you know, wh- just what it means to you that he's that coach that, wants to know about your life, wants to know where you came from, wants to know what makes you tick. And when he does roll up, does it feel like Biggie? Because I feel like sometimes it feels like Biggie. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, like you said, it definitely was not the best area. Um, and just to, just to see it, I mean, it, it shocked me. So I, I know everybody else was looking like this. What is Coach Bayham doing at the gym? Like it, it was like we it, that was the name of it. So it's just um, like you said, he's got an eye for talent, and uh, like you said, he but he, he he's comfortable because he's done it before. He's going to get probably he's been in New York and, and, and New York and probably in Detroit to 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 
get there cold and so he's it's, it's just once he if he if he sees something that is gonna help his team, um, he's just gonna go out there and, and, and do whatever it takes. And um that that's why he, he's won as many games as he's won because he's he's willing to go out there uh and, and, and get the talent. And um once he's able to get the talent, he's able to, to, to get the most out of him and um get us better. So um he'll, he'll, he'll always go down as one of the uh elite coaches and 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 all of college sports. For you, Hakeem, people said he had lost touch. You just saw him a few days ago. Do you feel that way or or not feel like when you when when you were coached by Jim Beheim to seeing him 20 years later, what did he look like, sound like, feel like to be around him again? You know, who's Coach B today? Is he similar to the guy that you had before? Is he is he a little bit more mellow now? How would you describe, you know, Jim? Because I, I feel like, you know, there's people that said, oh, you know, he's going to retire because he's lost touch. He doesn't seem as into it. He doesn't seem as emotional. And and I I don't know. I mean, I hear people say that all the time, and, and I don't think it's a fair assessment. You don't know who somebody is from the inside out. And I've defended Jim Beheim to the point of, you know, probably people yelling at me. But, you know, he he's a prisoner of his own success. You know, the man created the standard at Syracuse, and it's the same standard that people, if he doesn't hit it, get mad at him for. I mean, without Jim Beheim, what is Syracuse basketball? So you had him as your coach. 20 years later, you got to stand in a room with him and talk with him again. How is he today as opposed to yesterday from your from your point of view? Uh, I think he, he's just as committed. Um and I think he's in touch. I think so. But I think the one thing that may have uh, done done him in is 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 just the, the change in landscape of the the whole nil uh, situation, and um, just not wanting to uh, just in a sense just paying players and that the whole thing getting messy and things like that. I think that 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 if if, if anyone could say something about being in, in tune um with the new with the new era, that's something that he really uh didn't like and, and, and didn't think was was good uh for, for college basketball. So that that may have been the, 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 I think um the thing that that got the ball rolling, but in, in terms of his passion for for the game, uh, it, I, I didn't see any changes from when he coached me uh, twenty years ago. Here with Hakeem Warwick for a couple more minutes here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, live this morning from Greensboro, North Carolina, as we are calling this home for Wake Up Call on the road. Hashtag wake up call OTR and down here in uh, in the great state of North Carolina for the ACC tournament, keeping an eye on the country as well and watching games till the wee hours of the night, seeing championship week happen all over the country. Uh, Hakeem, now that Adrian is is going to be the head coach, 
the forwards need a coach. Do you have anybody on your mind? Would you take a phone call? I'm asking because I'm asking and I'm just interested and I'm just interested. So you and I have spoken candidly anytime we've talked and you can feel free to say whatever you want to say, but somebody needs to coach the forwards. You were a pretty good forward at Syracuse, I think. And uh, you blocked a shot where I believe you jumped 37 feet into the air, but I could be wrong. And (laughs) so it could be 39. I'm not sure. But would you take that phone call? Is there somebody that you think he should call? Uh, You're working with Jason Hart. His name comes up a lot. What are your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, there's a a lot of good candidates out there. Um, There's a lot of... Um, I was actually, we actually just had a, a game, um, in, in Toronto, uh, against Demetrius Nichols, who's, who's coaching up there, uh, in G League with the, with the Raptors, um, Renze Anawaku was, we just had a game against them with, with, with the go-go. Uh, so we, we, we got a lot of players right now that's, that's out there coaching and, um, are good candidates, but like I'll just leave that up to to, to Red and staff. I, I believe um, the program is in really good hands, um, and I'm just uh, they they have a really good team. If they're able to get uh, most of the guys to come back, I, th- I think we'll we'll have a, a pretty good team next year. So I'm really confident in, in Syracuse basketball uh, in the in the next years. To, to get back to the Syracuse basketball uh, that we, we've, we've come to, to know and love. And a final note here, you kept saying that the program's in really good hands, and I agree with you. When it comes to Adrian Red Autry, I uh, consider him a good friend over the years here, and I've got to do a lot of things with him, speak with him, and, and get to know who he is. And years ago, he told me, and I wrote this in my article, you know, we were sitting at a restaurant elbow to elbow and I asked him if he wanted to be a head coach someday. And he said, yeah. And I can't believe how many years ago that was. And I told him that he deserved it. And seeing that he gets to do it at his alma mater is a pretty special thing. You've said over and over again that you feel good about it. Why do you feel so good about it? Uh, like I, he, he didn't coach me, but like just talking to the, the all the players, um, and I was like, I, I was able to to uh, go and, and and go to the, the senior banquet to, to hear all the thing, the great things that uh, they said about him. Um, it kind of reminds me of some of the, the the assistant coaches that that were on that I was on a team with, uh, with Coach Weave and Coach Hop. Uh, so so. Uh, if he's from that mode, I think he'll he'll he the the the, the program is in is in good hands because I, I've heard nothing um, but good things from from his ex players and, and uh, just talking to uh, Jerry and uh, Griff as well. Um, nothing but I, I've heard nothing but good things. So um, I just feel like um, the program is in, in really good hands, and we we had a young team last year, and they're just going to get better. Um, so just looking forward to, to, to the future. Um, it was an un- unfortunate ending for, for, for coach. Um, I, I wish him a, a happy retirement. Um, it's no, it's nothing that 
no one can take away what he's did for not only the, the, the basketball program, but the school and for just the, the whole upstate New York area in general. Um, just a legendary career. Um, so just, I just wish him the, the, the best uh, and the happiest retirement. And uh, just uh, looking forward to, to a, a bright future for, for the Syracuse uh, program. Coming from Hakeem Work, the national champion, the Big 12 champion, the Big East champion, and and someone whose jersey is hanging in the rafters deservedly so. And and I'm, I'm happy, Hakeem, because I think I told you this, but every time people talked about the championship team, they're like, oh, Mello, GMAC, da-da-da. And I said, yeah, and if that guy, Hakeem Work, didn't block that shot in the corner, we could have been to overtime. So – you know, it's it's nice to see that someone's putting that jersey up there that deserves to be up there and uh, and should be up there forever so that people say, who's Hakeem Warwick? And then someone can tell them, and I'll have no problem doing that, walking up going, he's the guy that blocked that shot that prevented this game from going any farther and secured the victory for Syracuse. He made one of the best defensive plays in the history of college basketball. So with that being said, Hakeem, I want to thank you for being a part of the show today. And uh, thank you for the kid in me having an opportunity to to talk to a hero growing up for me. So thank you for everything that you've done. I look forward to talking with you soon. I appreciate the work that you're doing now with the Ignite and Jason Hart. And, you know, God bless as always. I can't thank you enough for what you've done for Syracuse, for my city, and for the upstanding person that you are. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, just... Wanted to thank you and just thank all the uh, the whole Orange Nation out there. Um, like I said, it was a wonderful uh, weekend and um, just the love and support. Just wanted to let everybody know that the love and support uh, has been been felt and is uh, greatly appreciated. So, so thank you uh, and thank thank everyone else. And just so people know, there's two good shot blockers on the team right now, and uh, maybe they could get some help from Hakeem Warwick. I don't know, man. I'm trying to put your resume out there. <laughs> so I appreciate you, man. All right. Take care. Take care. That coming from Hakeem Warwick here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life. So I appreciate uh, his time as always and appreciate having him on the broadcast. So Big ups to him and many thanks to him for being a part of the show this morning as they were getting ready with shoot around and everything else going on. We're jumping right into my conversation with Roosevelt Bowie Jr. here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora where sports meets that thing called life. Rosie texted me that I'm late and he's 100% right that I was late. We ran a, a few minutes over here with Hakeem, so he's free to yell at me on live radio and video. Mr. Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Rosie, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Dave. Nothing to yell at. Just want to make sure everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we're we're definitely uh, good here this morning. Uh, interesting morning, a morning that you've never had before and I've never had before, and that's a morning where Jim Beheim's not the head coach of Syracuse. How are you reacting to it being a part of the beginning of his career and the first 100 wins of his career? Yeah, I'm just uh, very, very pleased and blessed that he decided to come to my little great metropolis of Kendall <laughs> and uh, and ask me to play at Syracuse University to bring me into that family. You know, it, it's it's been an interesting last few months, right? There's the Louie and Bowie show, and 
and Louis Orr passes away. And, and now, you know, Jim is stepping away. How, how have you dealt with the emotions of the last few months, knowing that, you know, the 50% of the Louis and Bowie show is watching over you now from heaven and, and the coach that coached the Louie and Bowie show is, is stepping away. I mean, your perspective is a, is a unique one right now. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'll, uh, always miss my, uh, my teammate and friend. Um, it was, uh, it was, a, it was an honor to play with him. Uh, great player and greater person. Um, and, uh, speaking with coach Beheim, you know, he just said, uh, you know, you guys started it and you won't be, and it won't be, uh, it'll be, it'll be hard to replicate. You won't see players like that again, which I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, he, he meant so much to the university over the years. Like there's so many people that don't know that, that only know coach Beheim and Syracuse university. So, uh, so much for the university, so much for upstate New York and their foundation. And um, I look for bigger and better things out of coach. How it went down, Rosie, you know, we know that, that, that Jim is, is maybe not the fanfare guy, right? To, to have a, a farewell tour or anything like that. But the way that it happened from my seat, you know, I've covered Jim for – almost 20 years, you know, my entire career as a professional and spoken with him for more than half of that time when I came back to Syracuse, you know, over a decade ago, the way that it kind of just, I mean, I'm in the press conference room down in Greensboro. We know that, that Jim is maybe not the biggest fan of, of Greensboro as opposed to other locations in Madison Square Garden. And, and I understand that, you know, I understand what the garden brings and I don't think anything can, can compete with the garden. So he's down here in Greensboro. He's having a press conference. He doesn't say he's retired, but he doesn't say he's not. He does say that he gave a speech already. And then I go into the locker room. I interview the players we talk about, you know, his future and what it could potentially be and whatnot. I walk out. I shake Jerry McNamara's hand. I leave the hallway. I go in to cover the Pitt Georgia Tech game. Oh, no, it was before that happened. And I get an email from Syracuse University. Hey, guess what? Jim Beheim's retiring. And it, it just seems so – it seemed like announcing a coach who – had been in the game for three years, you know, Hey, we're stepping away from whatever 47 years and no true press conference. There was no quote from Jim in the story that was sent to us. It just felt wrong. And, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Listen, they don't, uh, nobody asked me anything. So I'm just finding out, I'm just finding out what, uh, just, just from you, what would happen. I don't, so I, 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 how could I comment on something I didn't know about? Yeah, I, I mean, it just it just seemed strange, you know. I mean, I feel like he's done so much. I mean, you can speak to it of what he's done for the university, what he's done for the city, what he's done for the community, and you've talked about it a little bit here. You know, yeah, there's nobody, there's nobody to 
done more. And uh, but I, I also I also look at it from from my point of view. When when I retired, um, I to me it made sense because I said, well, I didn't tell anybody when I was going to start playing, so I didn't make an announcement when I stopped. <laughs> that, that's just that's that's just me looking at it. Uh, I have a very sim- simplistic country boy way of looking at things. So, but uh, all of that, uh, I'm I'm not a I'm not an expert on how you do things like that because I don't I haven't dealt in the in that in that arena. I just know that uh, he's the greatest coach to come out of upstate New York, and uh, he did an excellent job at putting all of uh, me together with all my other brothers that are that have played at Syracuse University and that I'll stay in contact with and been in contact with my entire life. How do you wake up this morning knowing that, you know, he's stepping away? I mean, you were part, like I said, you were part of the beginning. I mean, you, from, from your point of view, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's been everything and you were a part of, of that everything, you know, you were a part of, of what he was building way back in the beginning to what he's building today. So, I mean, I, I can tell you, I can tell you this, that, um, I, uh, for the, I finally got back up to the university to, for the first time since it, um, cause they did the, the um, the remodeling. Yeah. And I was in there for the last game and it was, it was great. It was beautiful. It was emotional. It was heartfelt. Uh, listen to everybody talk and listen to coach, coach talk then. And um, I, I just went home. It was like a, it was action packed, emotional. Jesse played fantastic. The team played great after, you know, he, he whipped them into shape and got them to, to get, you know, one last great performance out of there for that, for the home crowd. And, uh, you know, I have nothing but positive, upbeat. Uh, just thankful for being a part of that whole, the, the, the whole, the whole family there. So that's that's when I when I was left there. I uh, took my niece uh, to that game, and my niece Tracy is the same girl that uh, she's a little girl that I had on my arm when I used to come out uh, my my freshman year to sign autographs. Uh, she was two two and a half three years old, so. And I just went back there with her. We saw the last game. It was beautiful. It was emotional. We got to talk to everybody. And, uh, yeah, it was it was good stuff. We loved it. To have that memory, like you said, when you used to come out and sign autographs, she was the one on your arm. And to have her on your arm once again, you know, like I said, that unique point of view that you have, Rosie, how, how have the years looked to you as Syracuse, you know, these decades of Bayheim? from having her on your arm to having her on your arm. What does this timeline look like through the eyes of someone who's one of the greatest to ever play at Syracuse? Well, listen, I, I, I'll best put it in a way like, uh, like when I, when I first went to Italy, I remember the first year, first two or three years. And then I remember I was retiring. Everything in the middle of by is a blur. Um, they were, Good times, bad times, a lot of fun, just living one day at a time and, and living in the moment and understanding that we're living through a, a, a great experience. Uh, same thing at Syracuse. You know, it was great to come back and see how everybody's so close and doing things with the university, charity work, and do it with for, then specifically with Coach Beheim and his foundation. So um, I have nothing but you know, great thoughts and great uh, 
great memories for you know being around the university. I went to went to Final Four. Uh, I actually did went to Houston to the Final Four and did the game right from courtside. You know that was it. Doesn't get any better than that. You know, following my team in the Final Four and then doing the doing the game for Turner Broadcast on you know courtside. Um, it just uh, it, it was really it was really a, a beautiful thing for me. Syracuse Orange basketball alum Roosevelt Bowie Jr. here with me on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. I feel like this is an easy answer, but I want to get your your take on it, Rosie, because you and I have spoken for many years. Is Jim Beheim to you one of the top five greatest coaches of all time when it comes to college basketball? I only have I have I have one. I'm uh, I'm extremely biased, so <laughs> I don't really care about anybody else's coach. I only care about coaches that uh, you know. That I, that I coached for, I'm uh, extremely loyal, and uh, I he's the first coach that uh, when I came to the game of basketball, I knew nothing about the game of basketball except work hard and run the other guy until he drops dead. So, and uh, I was told by my coach, listen, all, all I need you to do is work as hard as you can. He said, I can teach you how to, I can teach you basketball, but I can't teach you how to work hard. And that right there made it. Uh, fantastic for me because I no longer was thinking in 40 different directions. I became single-minded and focused to never be outworked. And at the end of the day, when I finished, I could go home and I could sleep well, understanding that I did. I put it all on the line and I don't have to to second guess what I did or anything because I did everything that I, I was capable of doing. Why is Jim Beheim such a good coach to you? Why, why do you feel like he's translated over the decades, you know, and, and continue to be relevant, continue to win games, continue to recruit players? Why do you feel like Jim has been so special for so long? For me, his knowledge of the game, which was, which was uh, immediate. I, um, I met Coach Behind when he was 30. I was 16 years old, and then I went to basketball camp here when he was the assistant coach, and his knowledge of the game was was amazing then. Um, and the fact that he's very simple, I, he would he, uh, he told me what he expected out of me, and I'd go out and do it, and he'd come back and say, "Okay, that went that went well. We'd like to work a little bit harder on some other things," and I would go and do that. A few words, straight to the point made it very easy to understand what it what it took to uh, to get better. You know, we look at your time there. One of the, as I mentioned before, I mean, one of the first recruits by Jim Beheim. He takes over in 76, and you're part of the beginning of this 47 years of, of wonder and excitement at Syracuse. Being tethered to the beginning of Jim Beheim as a head coach, how do you how do you view that? It seems surreal, and there's there's few people that can say it. But to be a part of the beginning of Jim Beheim, and, and and let's remind everybody that in the time you were at Syracuse, Syracuse had 100 wins and 18 losses. To to be connected with him, stitched with him in this quilt of the beginning of of the Beheim era at Syracuse, what is that always going to mean to you? that the, one of the greatest coaches of all time 
that you were there with him building this from the beginning? I feel extremely fortunate and blessed to be to, to come into uh, come into that Syracuse program. At the time, I loved to play basketball. I wasn't a big fan of anybody. Um, then I went through the Syracuse program, continued to go forward and to play. Then I returned back to the United States in 1996, and I was a fan of Syracuse because yeah. I wasn't able to follow them when I was in Europe. But I would keep up with them during the summers, what they did, and talk to the coaches. But, uh, yeah, then I, I understood when we were going through it that it was a special, special time. Um, with players that uh, Dale Shackelford, Hal Cohen, you know, Lewis, uh, I knew it was a special time. Ed, Ed, Ed Moss, I knew it was very special, but I said, I, even though I know it's special, I, I, it's, it, it, it was it was great to be in, in there on the ground floor, and it, it's like uh, a family growing together. So that's what I've always looked at. It's, um, and I, I've got a bunch of little brothers and and one big brother, or a few big brothers, Marty Marty Burns and my buddy Dale Shackelford. So uh, I got I came out real well. What emotions do you have? I mean, do you do you wake up sad today? Do you wake up, you know, appreciative of of the time? Do you wake up, you know, excited about the future? I mean, how how do you kind of deal with the emotions of all this? Because I mean, this is this is your forever coach. Listen, it was uh, like like I said before. I went to I went to that final game, and uh, it was a, it was a beautiful thing. Um, but the final game, I was able to see. So I'm uh, I'm very pleased that I was able to be there. And it was so emotional seeing all the players coming back. Uh, so I, I can't be anything except for feeling fortunate and blessed that I was uh, able just to be there that day and to listen to listen to them talk and listen to the heartfelt. Speeches from the coaches, from the players, from everyone. It's just a special. I'm just feeling extremely blessed at this time. Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball alum here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life inside of the Cafe Kubal studios on the heels of Jim Beheim stepping away after 47 years and Adrian Autry taking over. Rosie, what's your relationship like with, with Adrian? And what can you say about the news of, of hearing that he's going to be the first new head coach at Syracuse in almost five decades. Hey, these are all guys that these are all guys that I've, uh, like I said, we we've been in contact. We've known everybody time and time again. So um, it's uh, he'll he'll do good. I feel so. I'm just looking forward to everything. Time moving forward. And as as time moves forward for this team, and, and like you said, you know, being connected with this Syracuse a brotherhood. What's this family been like to you to have the, the teammates that you mentioned and not only to have the teammates that you mentioned, but at the same time to, you know, to be able to connect with players that you didn't play with, to be able to connect with, you know, more recent players that have come into Syracuse to, to be a part of this brotherhood means what to you? Hey, very, very important. Uh, you know, Coach Beheim kept it, uh, going so I'm uh, just super, super pleased to be just to be, be involved man it's uh I just uh, I don't know it's just uh man it's great Syracuse basketball this season ups and downs you and I have talked about it they end with a winning record 
and I see the positives as they build toward the future. If you were sitting with the team right now, what would you want to say to them? on the line i mean you, you can't like i said you you just um when, when you're there all you can do is give everything you got play as hard as you can and then see what the outcome is once they do that you can't ask any more of them so, you know you wish they were the one more um everybody wants one more nobody wasn't uh uh you know it's not like they went out there to lose the game all you gotta do is go out there play as hard as you can and let the let the the piece of the ball where they fall. Um, I'm just really pleased about Jesse and what he's done. Um, so his, his, his growth as a player, but uh, hey, it's a beautiful thing. That's all I can say. To someone who doesn't know Jim Beheim, you would say what, Rosie, after all these years? He was, uh, for me, he was a mentor. He was uh, the person that taught me the game of basketball. And I was, and, and that I'm just super, super, super pleased that he, he brought me into the Syracuse family. Yeah, coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. Rosie, I appreciate you, as always. I appreciate your friendship more than anything else. And, My pleasure. you know, it's it's tough. This is a this is a different morning. I know that you're you know direct kind of like, hey, this is what I think, this is how I feel, and this is where we go. So you know, but I definitely appreciate the fact that uh, that you were a part of this, and I thank you for the time that you've given and and for everything you've done for Syracuse. So thank you for that. Thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Right. Hey, coming from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. here. On Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life. So we're going to take a step aside for a fast break. Our third and final guest this morning of our trio of Syracuse alum on the heels of Jim Beheim making the decision to step away, right? 47 years, and he is no longer the head coach at Syracuse. Adrian Autry is going to be taking over. Otis Hill is going to be taking over the airwaves here in just a few minutes. Uh, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. joining us just now, and before that, Hakeem Warwick. And we'll have plenty more after this fast break where sports meets life on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Stay with us. Recharge for Onondaga County. Shop CaffeeCabal.com for fresh roasted coffee beans, cold brew, travel mugs, and all your essential Caffey Cabal needs. Caffey Cabal, coffee for the soul. 
The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or iced milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, Carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Avicoli's, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoli's through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through Sunday for lunch, dinner, and drinks. We'd love to see you out there. And of course, you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout, delivery, and catering. That's 315-622-5100. And also find them on myavicolis.com. That's myavicolis.com. Having peace of mind when you're out of town, that your furry-loving friend is safe and sound, means taking them to Canine Campground. Because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York, and see Canine Campground and where your dog will be staying, in the classic cabin, the executive cabin, the grand cabin, or of course, the luxury cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. (laughs) Now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call Canine Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check Canine 
campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number 9, and campground spelled with a K, dot com. K9campground.com. When you're going out of town, bring your dog to Canine Campground. PB&J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street-side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out-of-box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway. PB&J's Lunchbox Street-Side Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and and dinner all throughout the day. Get breakfast for dinner, dinner for lunch, whatever you fancy, including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. PB&J's Lunchbox, where we love to know what's in your lunchbox. This is a special message from 317 at Montgomery restaurant owner Joel Carpenter. Open Tuesday through Saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. We wanted to be a part of the resurgence of Syracuse. We saw uh, a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that, you know, we'd like to be a part of that. I love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can, and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends, about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot, and I love walking to every single table, asking them how everything is, and people looking at me and smiling and saying, this is the most amazing short rib I've ever had. This is the most amazing filet I've ever had. And Donna is great. Sarah's amazing. Thank you for coming over and talking to us. And I'm just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten. 317 at Montgomery Restaurant, part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York, open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. And a welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports meets life. Cafe Kubal on 3501 James Street, 324 West Water Street, 401 South Salina Street, all in Syracuse, New York. You'll find them on the corner of Route 11 and Taft Road at Sweetheart Corners as well in North Syracuse in their drive through location. And you'll find them <clears throat> on 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York, in their giant behemoth of a brown striped building. You can't miss it. I call it the Welcome Center. It's a double-decker cafe and where all roads converge into Manlius. You'll find it on 343 Fayette Street in Manlius, New York. So with that being said, we welcome you back in here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And you are with us worldwide Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube.com and Facebook.com, both backslash Wake Up Call DT, Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. We also have MixLR this week. We're utilizing Podbean. So in the place of MixLR, we're on wakeupcalldt.podbean. 
Com, so you can check us out there in worldwide streaming radio. And we appreciate you wherever you are for tuning into the show. Inside of MonPazPopcorn.com is what's popping. We have featured a bunch of guests all this week. And you know that for many, many years I've done this, be it in Washington, D.C. or Charlotte, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina, Brooklyn, New York, wherever the ACC tournament is and whatnot, I have had the blessing and the privilege and the honor of having Syracuse Orange men's basketball alumni on this tournament week every single season. So during conference tournament week, when I'm on site on location covering a tournament, wherever it may be, or you know during COVID and whatnot, when we were all at home, I've had the opportunity to share the week with Syracuse Orange men's basketball alumni, and I've made it a point to do it all year long, and this week to have a very special week that I call Tourney Time Talk. And so win or lose for Syracuse, the alumni join me every season, and I thank them all for that. Hakeem Warwick joining me this morning and Roosevelt Bowie Jr. in just a few minutes here in less than 10 minutes. Otis Hill is going to be joining the show. And as I said to my good friend Pat Orr, who's the owner of PB&J's Lunchbox on 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, I was talking with her about this last night. And I said to her, I said, you got to listen to Otis. I said, we always have great conversations, deep conversations, fun conversations. And beyond that, you know, we always laugh. We always, always, always laugh. And that's something that, that I love so very much I said, you is, to is that we have, you know, we have that fun with each other. So uh, be ready for that <laughs> in a couple minutes here. And that Otis Hill and I, we, we always have deep conversations, thoughtful conversations, and conversations that we share laughter. And I think that smiles and laughter are what this world needs, you know, more than, more than a lot of things right now. I think we need smiles and laughter. So I hope that you, you appreciate that. I hope that you can enjoy that. I hope that you can find that in one another and surround yourself with goodness. We're here today on the heels of some very big news, you know, Jim Beheim, 47 years, and that's the end, right? It's the end of the road with Syracuse as the head coach of the men's basketball team, and it was very unceremonious. It was strange. It was an email. (laughs) After Syracuse left the building, it was an email, and there was no quote from Jim Beheim. There was a quote from Chancellor Kent Siverud. There was a quote from AD John Wildhack. There was a quote from Adrian Autry. And <clears throat> nothing from JB. So it's weird. It's strange. It's It feels forced. It feels uncomfortable. I mean, I was at the John Desco press conference when they said that he was mutually stepping away and I didn't get mutual from anything I saw, you know, and I've been close to coach Q for many, many years. And he was the coach and then he wasn't. (laughs) So there's been a lot of things that have gone on. Right. And it's hard to assess why they happen the way that they happen, but they've happened this way, you know, and, and whatever the university does to celebrate or not celebrate Jim Beheim, 
that doesn't affect how I celebrate him. And it doesn't affect how his student athletes celebrate him and his coaches and all the lives he's touched. In all the years I've covered Jim Beheim, I would tell you that I would imagine he would not want to make his retirement speech outside of New York, probably outside of the Dome. And knowing Jim, he'll tell his story the way he wants to tell it, when he wants to tell it, how he wants to tell it. I hope he'll let me be a part of it. But it's a, it's a weird morning because it's like Jim Beheim's not the coach anymore, comma, <laughs> what the heck type of announcement was that? A little little email blurb? A little, hey, we just left the building, we're in the parking lot, we're away from the media, so now we'll tell it because now nobody can talk to him about it. So, you know, it felt like the media were put in a cage when the announcement came out. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's fair at all. So Jim knows how to handle the media and, you know, I feel like there should have been a press conference. You know, I feel like there should be something in the dome. I feel like next week, you know, they should invite the fans and the media and this and that, whatever. And, you know, have a little town hall moment where Bayheim gets to sit on his court and, you know, address things or, or, you know, I feel like there should be some type of ceremony for one of the greatest coaches of all time. And if there's not, well, we're going to celebrate them here. And if there is, well, we're going to celebrate them here on wake up call. Don't get it twisted as much as it's sad and emotional. And there's a lot of things I'm feeling and thinking right now. I'm so happy for Adrian, you know, because I personally invested in Adrian over the years. I've invested in him as a human being and as a coach. I, you know, wear it on my shoulders that I wanted him to become a head coach. I speak very highly of him always. And he's incredible. You know, he's he's an incredible leader and he... He deserves the opportunity. He really does. And I hope that uh, people give him a chance and remember, one, this is the first time he's ever becoming a head coach. First time he's ever leading a program. So people need to give him time. People need to understand that when you're in your first year as a head coach, I shouldn't have to tell people this, but people are ridiculous in today's world when it comes to like the microwave society of why isn't it done yet? And you can't think in your head, I'm going to build a house and then walk outside and the house is built. I don't know why society is that stupid. <laughs> I really don't. But society has thrown me for a loop many times in the last couple of years. If you want life to be productive and fruitful, you have to build you can't just expect things to be productive because you want them to be. You can't expect things to happen because you thought about them. You know, anybody can sit on a couch and go, where's my million dollars? But how many people are willing to work for that? 
work for the job, work for the money, work for the opportunities. And, you know, to me, Adrian has put in a lot of work for a long time. He's deserving of this. I'm happy for him. I would have been happy wherever he coached. I just wanted him to be a head coach because I knew it's what he wanted. And you should want the most for your friends. You should want the best for your friends. So seeing him get to where he's gotten to, I'm really happy. I'm very excited. And to the fans, give them time. Let them build. Let them grow. Let him make this his own. It's, don't compare him to Jim. To the fanatics, just stay home. Don't even bother going to the game because you're nuts and you make no sense. And you talk about things that you're just, I mean, it's like logic is out the window. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm not I'm not even going to entertain anybody speaking poorly about more than anything, my friend. I'm not, I'm not even going to, you know, because before anything else, Adrian is a friend of mine. And I'm going to support him. Yeah, I'm going to support him. I appreciate him. I respect him. And I think he's wonderful. So. With that being said, another great friend of mine and another Syracuse alum is going to be joining the show in just a minute. And that's Otis Hill to round out our trio on the heels of Jim Bayheim's announcement and Adrian Autry taking over the program. I've had the blessing of having Syracuse Orange men's basketball alumni here on the show this morning, as we've had for many, many years. I don't have words to how thankful I am to God that I get to wake up in the morning and talk to my heroes growing up and some of the greatest ever. Hakeem Warwick, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. coming up next. Otis Hill. You know Otis. Cuse is in the house. Oh, my God. He comes up right after this. Kefi Cabal offers same-day local delivery of our products, offering no delivery charge for Onondaga County. Shop KefiCabal.com for fresh roasted coffee beans, cold brew, travel mugs, and all your essential Kefi Cabal needs. Kefi Cabal, coffee for the soul.
Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory remind us that every day is worth celebrating. Find them at 201 Old 7th North Street in Liverpool, New York. Open Monday through Saturday in-store and all the time online at maandpazpopcorn.com. Serving our Central New York community and beyond, you can order all throughout the country at maandpazpopcorn.com. And remember to get your tins, which have in-store half-price refills forever. Ma and Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory available to you for fundraising and all of your events by calling 315-450-6272. That's 315-450-6272. Mon Pa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. How corny are you? Witty Wicks Candles and Gift Shop, Township 5 Camillus, where you will find handcrafted all-natural soy wax candles over 60 cents to freshen up your home. We carry a wide range of locally made items, salsa cues, Syracuse salt, and chocolate pizza company, to name a few. Let our knowledgeable staff help choose unique gifts and keepsakes for any occasion. Gifts for family and friends, and maybe a little something for yourself. Woody Wicks Candles and Gift Shop, Township 5, Camillus. This is a special message from Merritt Brady, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Watertown on 1290 Arsenal Street in Watertown, New York. Chick-fil-A for me has always been about the people. I think it starts with the strength and leadership of the Kathy family. It's just amazing to see a family-run business reach the altitude that they have. Second mile service is something that we embodied at my previous business and the ability to make people feel like they're the only person at your establishment, that you are there to serve them that day and, and looking for those extra ways to make them happy, to anticipate what they need next is what makes me tick. And I'm gonna have so many opportunities at Chick-fil-A to do that. It's one of my favorite things to eat in the world. My favorite application question or interview question when I'm interviewing is when I get to, have you ever eaten at Chick-fil-A? And a smile hits both their ears, you know, they can't even answer the question for a second. And, and when I see that, it's like, man, that's going to be a great hire. They already get it. They already feel it. They already know that we're different. The Chick-fil-A experience, it's a real thing. And then, of course, just our, our generosity and community involvement and making a positive impact in the lives of our team members, our guests, and the community in general, I think is, is really the, the secret sauce. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports truly meets that thing called life. We are here with you in Greensboro, North Carolina, all week. You know Jim Beheim's favorite place to destination. So we, we are down here in Greensboro. I love Greensboro, North Carolina. When Jim said he wasn't a big fan, it wasn't even about Greensboro. It was about the fact that he was saying that nobody can replace the garden. So he wasn't wrong in what he said. You know, I'm I'm joking around about it because I was there for that moment, and I've been in you know the garden where Jim with Jim. I've been in the Barclays. I've been in Washington D.C., Charlotte, and Greensboro. So I've been in all these locations. I understand what Jim is saying. I understand big city lights. I know what he's talking about. I love New York City for New York City. I love North Carolina for North Carolina. That's not a political comment. I just like both. I just like them the way that they are. Now, if I am running for political office, New York and North Carolina better vote for me. I'll tell you that because <laughs> so, I I give you all shameless plugs all the time. But uh, 
No, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be on the show inside a wake of call with Dan Tortora here in the Cafe Kubal Studios. We're on the road in Greensboro, North Carolina. You see it behind me in the skyline. We have a trio of fantastic people on the show. Hakeem Warwick, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. have been on, and Otis Hill is back with me. I told my good friend uh, Pat last night, as I was saying before the break, I said, you got to tune in to Otis. It's their thoughtful conversations, deep, reflective, and also hilarious. So... We always have a good time. One of my favorite people, the nine-year-old in me is like screaming every time we get to do a show together because I, I can't even believe that that we're friends. So I bring Otis Hill on and uh, am a huge, huge fan of his. Blessed to call him a friend and a brother in this world, which is insane. So, you know, no matter how many wins or losses Syracuse has from now till forever, I'm friends with Otis Hill. So my life is good, folks. Let's bring him on to the show. How are we doing, Otis? I'm good, Dan. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, man. I mean, I guess I'm doing well. <laughs> so, like, right. you know, it's it's been a weird – it's been a weird morning. It's – I dreamt about – okay, so last night – I'm going to tell you my – I'm going to tell the world my dream while I tell you. So, you know – just Otis and I having a personal conversation on the air. Not a big deal. So I had a dream last night that I was supposed to do an interview with Jim Beheim, you know, after his retirement. And we were, we went into a restaurant that was like at the fairgrounds or something like that. And we were trying to pick a place to sit and he was super nice. He's like, wherever you want to go. And I was like, do you want to do it live? So we were going to do like a live video and then we went into another restaurant. So I was talking with him in my dream last night and setting up this interview with him last night, which was pretty cool. But, you know, and then I woke up this morning and, and I was like, is it real? I was like, is Adrian the coach? Did Jim Beheim really retire? This doesn't make sense. And I still feel that way. I still feel like someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and go, hey, April Fool's. But, you know, here we are. And there's a lot to break down and, and look at. So before we go anywhere, Otis, I'd like to just get your thoughts about, you know, Syracuse loses at the buzzer, basically, with 0.5 seconds left to Wake Forest. I'm in the Greensboro Coliseum. I'm watching the game. I'm right there. I see the shot live and my heart sinks for the guys. And then I go into a press conference and then Jim doesn't say he's retiring. He doesn't say he's not retiring. He said he always or already gave his retirement speech. I interview Jesse, I interview Benny, I leave, I go into the locker room, I talk with almost everybody on the team, and I'm talking to Chris Bell, I'm talking to Judah, uh, I'm talking with, you know, Benny longer, Jesse a little bit longer, speaking with Joe, Malik, Quadir, and so on and so forth, doing all my interviews. I'm the last person in the interview room, in the locker room. I walk out from the Syracuse locker room, the last media guy there. I shake hands with Jerry McNamara. I say, I'll, I'll call you soon. I tap him on the back. I walk down the hallway. I go about my life. I'm thinking in my head, I got to get all this information up. I just did all these interviews. A bunch of the players talk with me about Jim Beheim's potential retirement. I need to get all this out there. Jim just talked about, you know, potentially he is or he's not. I need to put that out there. So I'm, I'm going out to my computer to start doing all this stuff. And I get an email from Syracuse that says, how's your Wednesday going? By the way, Jim Beheim's not our coach anymore. Have a nice day. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, what in the F <laughs> just happened? 
So I, I'd love to get your thoughts. Well, I last night I was driving and um, my instant messenger was blowing up texts from all over the place about Coach being like, go. And I said, no, I haven't heard anything about it. So then um, my brother sent me um, an article, a quick article someone wrote about Coach being like, go. My biggest thing right now is what I want to say is I am so happy for Adrian Autry. Um, he deserves to be a coach. I love Red. Let's not get it confused. I think he deserves to be a coach. And, I, and I'm glad to see that they moved him in. Now, in saying that, Syracuse University dropped the ball. How do you, in your right mind, have the man who basically started Syracuse basketball with the Pearl, with Billy, with Derek, with John, with Preston, with the Tom, with all these great players and have these great teams and, and, and win a championship. You let him go like that. I was hurt and it, it, early, it utterly disgusted me to see how they treated my coach. Now, granted, I get it. He hasn't been winning as well, and things haven't been going on, but there could have been a classier way to do that. I'm, I'm a little upset with with the chancellor, with the board of it, whoever made this decision, because I feel that Jim Beheim did not deserve to be let go like he was trash on the street. And you said it. Otis Hill this morning, Syracuse Orange basketball alum here on Wake Up Call inside the Cafe Kubal Studios. You said it. I mean, I told you my experience of it. And when we got the email, there was nothing. There was there was no quotes from Jim Beheim. Not a single quote from a from a coach that's been your coach for forty seven years. There's and and an assistant before that under Roy Danforth and a player before that. I mean, this this man has been in Syracuse for over five decades. And there was no, like, this is what Jim had to say. And, you know, Jim reflecting on his career. And and I just, you know, to me, it was so weird and it was so strange. And it, and it, I mean, it, it was a, it, it was a turn of events that, that really made me kind of sit here and say, what the hell just happened? Because here I am in a press conference and people are going, did he just retire or did he not just retire? It sounded like he retired. Do you think he retired? I had some idiot in the media who disrespected me for years come up to me and ask me for a soundbite. And I think he had his phone on. I don't know if he was recording it or not. And I sat there and gave him Jim Beheim answers all day. And... You know, I'm standing in the hallway and, and he's like, well, do you think he's done? Is he, could he be done? Is he done? And I'm sitting here going, you think I would tell you if he was done? You think I would do you think? I, I was like, I feel like Otis Hill right now or Jim Beheim, where it's like, I know what you just wrote about me in the paper. And now you want me to give you a quote. Like we're friends. We ain't friends. I don't know you. I don't know no NATO. So <laughs> You know, Dan, too, and I, and I get the whole aspect of it of, okay, one, we're not going to the tournament. We're not getting that money. I get it. 
two, we're not winning as well as much as we need to be or where we think we should be, and we're not getting the top recruits, and this could be because we're not winning. Three, coach has been there a long time. People don't want this. Own. I get all those factors. I understand it. But I would have thought my school would have done a legend a little bit better than the way they did it. You know, I, I know you and I always talk about coach, and we talk about how difficult, yeah. But the fact is, the man's one of the winningest coaches. He's one of the best coaches throughout history. And like you said, 47 years, mm-hmm. 47 years, and you put him out like an old bag of trash. And it, it really, it, it really, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I actually had a, um, an old trainer who was there, she was a trainer when I was there. Her name is Tara Russo. And we discussed like how upset and how bothered we were by the whole thing. You know, coach should have went out on a high note. You and I both know he should have at least, you know, Shashevsky, the way they did Shashevsky is how you do it. And the way that we did it, it is deplorable. It just it's just deplorable, and I don't know how long that's going to take a lot of people to get over it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at the email that I got from the university right now, and you know, it says Adrian Autry to take helmet men's basketball as Jim Beheim's storied career comes to an end, and it, it talks about Jim and. You know, some of the things he's done, it says uh, nearly 60 years ago, Jim Beheim first arrived on the Syracuse University campus as an undergraduate student and walk on with the men's basketball team. Little did he know that six decades later, he'd be one of college basketball's winningest head coaches, a national champion, a Hall of Famer, and one of the most prominent alumni in Syracuse University history. Today, as his 47th season, let me go back to this here. Today, as his 47th season coaching his alma mater comes to an end, so too does his storied career at Syracuse University. Associate head coach Adrian Autry, one of Bayheim's former players and longtime assistant, has been named the program's next head coach. Uh, then there's quotes from the chancellor and this and that. The chancellor, Kent Siverud, said, quote, There's no doubt in my mind without Jim Bayheim, Syracuse basketball would not be the powerhouse program it is today. Jim has invested and dedicated the majority of his life to building this program cultivating generations of student-athletes, and representing his alma mater with pride and distinction. I extend my deepest appreciation and gratitude to an alumnus who epitomizes what it means to be forever orange, end quote. It says, in addition, in addition to the national title he and the 2003 team brought home during his 47 years as Syracuse head coach, Orange has made 35 trips to the NCAA tournament, including Final Four appearances in 87, 96, 03, 13, and 16. Bayheim, a four-time Big East Coach of the Year, has been honored as National Association of Basketball Coaches District 2 Coach of the Year 10 times and United States Basketball Writers Association District 2 Coach of the Year on five occasions. Um, This comes from the AD. Quote, I've spent my entire career surrounded by the biggest and best names in professional and intercollegiate athletics. Few people are on the same playing field as Coach Bayheim, says John Wildhack, Director of Athletics. Jim Bayheim is synonymous with excellence, grit, and determination. Jim is a rare breed of coach, building a program that is among the best in college basketball for nearly five decades. I am incredibly grateful for what he has done for Syracuse Syracuse basketball, Syracuse athletics, and Syracuse University as a whole, end quote. And then it goes on to talk about Adrian. 
I mean, that's that's what that's what we got. I got a little 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 email article popped up in my phone, you know, and, and I mean, literally, folks, I'm telling you from my point of view, I was in the press conference with Jim Beheim. I left the press conference to go into the locker room because the press conference and the locker room are open at the same time. So I was in the press conference. I ran over to the locker room. I walked out of the locker room as the last media person in that in the locker room. I shook hands with Jesse. I said, Jesse, what are you doing with your future? Jesse and I are close, as I am with many of the guys. And Jesse said, I got to talk to coach about it. I got to see what he's doing. I got to think about what I'm doing. And I'm going to make a pretty quick decision. There's going to be a quick turnaround. I shook his hand. I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, I'll see you later, man. Thank you. I walked out. I saw Jerry. Jerry was talking to somebody in the hallway. I said, what's up, Jerry? Shook his hand. I said, I'll call you. I'll call you soon. I walked down the hallway. Going about my life, thinking to myself, do I want a cookie? What would I like? What would I like as a snack? <laughs> and then, and then it was like, and then I just kind of, you know, and then I, I was kind of just like walking around doing stuff. And then I don't know what provoked me to do it, but I, I, I checked my phone and, and there was an email from Syracuse and I open up the email. This is what the email says. This is what the actual email says before you open up the article. This is what it says. There's no, it says men's basketball announcement is the title. And all it says is there's a word document attached with a release regarding the men's basketball program at Syracuse. It doesn't even say anything about Jim. Wow. (laughs) It's like, it's like, Hey, this could be the, you know, the, you know, this could be notice of somebody leaving the program. This could be notice of, you know, a quote, a quote, a quote by Judah Mintz. I mean, whatever. And so you open it up. So there's like the suspense of like, what the heck is this? And you open it up and you're like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, Syracuse left a package on my front porch. But let me, let me open it and see what's in it. Oh, a bomb. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, a, that's what it felt like. It's crazy. It really is. It's just, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm. I'm just so flabbergasted by how they did it. Like it just, it just to me, it just if you're saying all these great things, you're saying he was the pillar of Syracuse and he was the founder and he was the uh, walk-on and he played and he was the assistant coach. All those things that he has accomplished and he has done added up to nothing because the way he was, he was done at the end, like. I can't, there's very few coaches, successful coaches of Coach Bay's pedigree that I've known, and maybe you can tell me, that have been done like this. I'll tell you you this, Otis. There's there's room service, there's the secret service, and there's lip service. Right. And you can tell me, you can tell me, and, and obviously this story was written before, anything even happened because how do you, how do you put this story out five minutes after I walk out the locker room? You know what right. I mean? It's like, right. I, you know, this, 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 this was like, you know, what do they call it? Premeditated. Exactly. So you, you know what I mean? Yeah, so premeditated murder. That's what <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it was like this, it was like, it was a plan. It was like, Hey, 
we're going to go to the press conference. Jim's going to speak. We're going to open up our locker room. We're going to treat it like any other day. We're going to say goodbye to the media. We're going to go outside. And as soon as we're out of the building where the media can't talk to us in a normally scheduled thing and we have control, as soon as we get outside, we get on the bus, then we hit send and we call it a day and nobody can talk to us about it. Nobody can chase Bay down. Nobody's left in the building. It was literally like the moment our last foot gets out of the building, let's send the email and head to the airport. Right. Dan, I just, I just, I, I like, it's still kind of shocking for me to see this, you know, but like I said, I don't want people to think um, that I don't want Adrian to succeed and be the coach that I know he can be. I think Red will do an amazing job. And I honestly believe with his recruiting skills and with his know-how and all the people that he knows, I really believe if they give him the give him a chance, I think Red could probably have us back in good standings in the ACC. Yeah, and and, and listen, you're, and I know you said you know you don't want anybody to misconstrue it, and I don't think, I mean, I don't think anybody is because the reality of it all is we're talking about how Jim Beheim was handled. We're not talking about who's taking over. I'm ex- right. I'm ecstatic that Adrian's taking over, and you know I sent you the articles that I wrote about Bay, and then I wrote about Adrian, Adrian to me, has been a friend. I mean, him and I have known each other for years now. We've done shows together. We've gone out and done events and sat and broadcasted live in places. We've we've talked to each other on the phone about a bunch of different things. We've talked about things on the air, off the air. I've spent time with him. Like the, the new head coach of Syracuse, he's a friend. Right. And And now do they put all this red tape around him? And say, Dan, well, now he's the blah, blah, blah. No. Okay. Right, that's that's right, the, exactly. that's my dude, Adrian. Okay. That's the same guy that calls me up and gives me crap about my Jaguars. It's the same guy. <laughs> it's the same guy who hasn't given me crap in weeks. And I don't know why he's so damn quiet, but that's all right. And, you know, but I mean, he's the same dude with the polished face. I mean, you see, every time you see him, his face is shining. He's got a big old smile. I feel like he needs to get some endorsements. He needs some NIL deals is what Adrian Autry needs because he's got the smile. He's got that smile that would make you believe, hey, whatever product you're selling, I'm going to buy it. So, you know, I'm excited about it. He's a great recruiter. He's a great developer. I think he's going to do a fantastic job. I have no worries in my mind, and I will I will be more than happy to talk with anybody who wants to disrespect my friend and tell them to please go be a fan of some other stupid team somewhere else And uh, right. because we don't need you. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I think hate and ignorance together make for a pretty nasty baby. And, you know, anybody who's got a problem with Adrian Autry being the head coach, just – don't do us all a favor and, and I don't know, take a vow of silence and become a monk or something. But, you know, the reality of it all is he's he's going to be an awesome coach. And I'm not saying he's going to win every game. I'm not saying he's going to lose every game. I'm saying that I told him years ago three words when he said he wanted to be a head coach. You deserve it. And now I say the same words. You deserve it. I didn't think it was going to be Syracuse. I'm happy that it is. And I'm sure he's pleasantly happy that it is too. And so let's talk about Adrian. Why do you think he's going to be a good coach? Why are you excited for the fact that Orange is now seeing red? Um, the biggest, 
The biggest thing I can say is Adrian was always kind of a a coach on the floor. You know how everyone says the old adage that most point guards are coaches on the floor, but he really was that type of point guard for me. Um, I wish I had spent more years with Red, but, you know, I spent my freshman year with him, and I just wish I had more time to learn from him. But even when he would come back and see him, uh, he would see me. He would still kind of give me pointers and talk about the game. I think Adrian just understands players. And I think to be a successful coach in this era, you really have to be able to connect with these young men and be able to get them to buy into your system because, like you and I have both said, the game has changed so much. And with these younger guys coming in, wanting to do the one and done, all these, these these players, I think Adrian is that has that type of personality to rally those guys together and get them in to believing in his system and, and going out and execute. And I think he'll be amazing at that. And also he's probably one of the best recruiters being from New York city. You know, he got the gift of gab. <laughs> he go get some good kids. So I think, I think he will fit right in perfect in his new head coaching spot. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be awesome. And, and you know, like you said, he, he's a teammate of yours. So he's not just part of the Syracuse brotherhood, but he was a teammate of yours. What was it like having him as as a teammate, and what does it mean to you that one of your teammates on your roster in your history at Syracuse is now the head coach? I think it's unbelievable. You know, I think it's amazing to, to watch Adrian uh, blossom into this new this new life as a coach, as, especially a head coach. You know, when I was at Syracuse and Adrian was there, I was a freshman. I redshirted. The biggest thing I learned from Adrian was toughness. I watched this guy, you know, Adrian has blown out both Achilles. I watched him play her. We had a game, if I'm not mistaken, we were in the NCAA as my freshman year. We were playing Missouri. And it was going back and forth. I think we went in overtime. We ended up losing by two or three. But I still remember Adrian fighting on the floor. And he hit a shot where he was on, he was literally on the ground on the court and he hit the shot. And he's looking at the ref like, count it, count it. And I'm sitting there going, they just beat you up. You just got knocked on the floor, but you're worried about if the basket counts. Like, that's the type of player he is. New York City, gritty, tough, Mark Jackson clone is what I think of when I think about Adrian Archer. You said Mark Jackson clone. I know that name. Why, why, why did you compare him to one of the best guards out there? Because when I first watched Adrian play at Syracuse, that was the first thing I thought of. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of people don't realize a lot of guys um, mirror their games or have similar games to certain players. You know, I looked at Adrian as a Mark Jackson clone, pass first, great floor general, great with the ball, not a lot of turnovers, will get guys in the right spot, can hit an open jumper when he need to. You know, he just kind of had those same skills as Mark Jackson. And I believe if he had never gotten hurt, we would have saw Red in the league for a couple of years. But blowing out your Achilles was tough back then. And uh, he didn't really get the chance to to do what he wanted to do. But I just, I just saw him as that floor general. When I watched Mark Jackson, I always thought of Adrian. I always thought they had very similar games. Great comparison. Mark Jackson, one of the best ever. Played with Reggie Miller out there with the Indiana Pacers. So 
lot of, uh, lot, of, lot of, I mean, I can reflect on that and hear that name and, and feel great about it here with Otis Hill, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum coming on the heels of a very slow news day with Jim Beheim retiring from Syracuse and Adrian Autry being named the head coach of the team. Otis, who's going to coach those forwards now is the question. Is it you? Is it Hakeem Warwick? Is it Ryan Blackwell? Who who should Adrian Autry call to coach the bigs? And just to put it out there, because, you know, all these dudes are my friends, so it's hard. I mean, and whoever gets it, we win. But just to remind people, Otis Hill was the best defensive lineman for Syracuse in the history of basketball. So, <laughs> um, Honestly, I don't know Hakeem that well. I, I only know of, like I only know what people talked about. I think I met him one time, but he seems like a great guy, and I don't really know him to, to say. But what I will say is I think Ryan Blackwell would be an amazing addition. Um, I've kept in touch. We Most of the Orange guys, we all try to keep in touch, whether you know it's through text or Facebook or whatever. And... I've been watching Ryan his, what, past three seasons, is it? He was at Liverpool. Yeah, been a bunch. Right. I think he would be an amazing addition. Now, I don't know if Age is going to do that because most likely he probably already has people that he's going to want to put in there. But if they were to be looking for someone, I think Ryan Blackwell would be amazing for Syracuse and we would be lucky to have him and Adrian as well I think and plus G-Mac and Alan Griffin on that that coaching staff I think that would be one of the greatest coaching staffs we've had in a long time I agree you know I I, I agree you know and, and I Ryan Blackwell is the name that that came <clears throat> that came up in to me so you know I mean I would love to see it I think, you know, I mean, put it like this. Ryan Blackwell has won a state championship, right? Right. right. And he's now vying to win another one. So, you know, I would think two runs at a state title, sending players to Division I men's basketball. I think he's I think he's put his resume out there to, you know, now be an assistant on Syracuse's staff and and be here with Adrian. I, I think he's more than kind of proven what he needs to prove in that world. So I, I don't, I, I think that that would be a huge plus if they were to do something like that. And I would love to see it. What are you hoping that Adrian does? Are like, if you could pick anything offensively and defensively and you could call up, if you could write on a post-it note and, and push it across the table to Adrian, what would it say about the future of Syracuse basketball? Uh, trash the zone. <laughs> Let's get rid of that zone. Let's go man to man. Buck up defense, ninety four feet. <laughs> Let's go. Let's get some. Let's get some moving in there. You know, damn. You and I have talked about it, and like I said, I I will never talk bad about Coach Bayon. I never will, and I understand why he did the zone. But I feel like now that we have this new this new coach and we have all these new things i really believe that we need to implement i think we need to implement man to man the zone is great it really is it can it can destroy it can it can mess up a team but i think you can't do it all the time 
yeah. I think that you and I both know man to man is the way to go. Yeah. And I think a lot of kids didn't come to Syracuse. A lot of great recruits didn't come because we played the two, three zone. Yeah. And, and, and it hasn't really proven it's almost worked against them when they're trying to get to the NBA. Right. So, exactly. you know, so you look at it, like if you're a kid and, you know, and everybody knows how to play man to man, because when you're four years old, and you're playing basketball, they say, go guard that kid. And you say, what am I supposed to do, coach? And they literally tell you, follow that guy wherever he goes. It's not a hard defense to play. Run after him. Now, the thing is, you have to be physical. You have to be smart and not to foul. you got to be able to play guys up. But there's a reason why man-to-man is like the baseline of defense in the sport of basketball you got to know how to play it. you got to know how to play it well. Man-to-man help defense. I think, you know, and this is my feeling. This is not me talking to Adrian, you know, yesterday. This is just my feeling. I think he's going to recruit uh, bigger guys, longer guys. I think he's. I think there's going to be more than a 2-3 zone, and I think he's going to want to run. That's that's what I'm seeing. That's, 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 that's my takeaway right now. Agreed, because the game, that's what the game is. When you're in the zone, yeah, like like we said, yeah, it's great sometimes. But when you're in that zone, you're stagnant. The zone kind of makes you lazy. You know, when I went to try it out with doing that whole thing for the NBA and trying out for teams, and, you know, I was at, I want to say, where did I go? I think I went to Sacramento, uh, Milwaukee. Who else did I play for? I think I played for, and also the Trailblazers and Summer League. Yeah. And a lot of guys are saying, oh, you just look a lot out of position playing that zone. Like, and it was crazy how, like, coaches would walk me through where I'm supposed to be at the position and where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, and you know, it's just the way it is. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I don't know, it's 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 strange – you know, I don't think you can do the zone. You, I mean, to me, you can't do the zone 24-7 right now. Right. Not in today's game. Not when seven-foot-two guys are shooting threes from half court. So, I mean, it's just it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't make sense anymore. And I think we'll see a change under Red. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see him. I, you know, I'm looking forward to what the future is going to hold for Syracuse. And at the same time, I've had a twist in my gut. And this like feeling inside my body that I got a lot of emotion that feels like it's just like it's like bottled. It's it feels like it's all like together from my arms into my chest and stomach. And I almost feel like what is it? Ryu from Street Fighter. Then I'm going to turn it into a ball and then you turn that arm and you what do you what does he say? <laughs> That's what it feels. That's what it feels like right now. One of my friends told me last night. They were like, yo, yo, just so you know, man, we were talking on the phone about everything. They're like, don't go to a bar right now and get drunk. Don't do that. And uh, they're like, don't be getting in a fight out there. I was like, yeah, I was like, well, I'll tell you this. I've never been drunk in my life, but I will tell you that I'm not trying to listen to anybody talk about no Bayheim right now in a negative way. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret that I do. Don't tell nobody, Otis. When, when I... Do I want to say this on the air? So maybe I do, maybe I don't. But uh, <laughs> there's a way. Okay, so there's a there's a way that I write, and you can appreciate this. 
because you and I have talked about music and different stuff before. But when I want to calm down and want to be at peace, I'll tell you the rest of the story off the air, but I'll tell this story, the part of this on the air. I'll tell you the other part off the air. But but when I was writing my stories about Jim Beheim and Adrian Autry yesterday, I was writing them while listening to Rick Ross. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> because it just, I don't, listening to hip hop just kind of calms me down. Right. You know, so I was listening to both of us by Rick Ross. And, uh, you know, so I'm like sitting here writing my article in the media room and my 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 shoulders are going and I'm bopping my foot's going. And people are probably like, what is this man doing right now? And I was like, I'm living in a totally different world than all of y'all. I'm at a concert right now. So but I can do that. I can I can listen to music and then think, you know, some people need like total silence. I need. Right. I need to control like the the sound to the best of my ability. So I shut out the sound I can't control and I turn on something else. So, yeah, I mean, if, if somebody walked through and picked up my headphone, they'd be like, you listening to Rick Ross right now? I'm like, hell yeah, this. So I can say that I wrote my Jim Beheim and Adrian Autry articles with courtesy of Rick Ross music. I love it. <laughs> I love it. a little rosé. Never hurt nobody. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, you know, and it's it's funny because there's a right before I went on my first cruise, which was in January, went with my mom. It was a birthday. Uh -huh. It was a birthday gift, and I got to hang out with mom. And so we went down to Miami, and he had a song called "Port of Miami." Yep. And so I, for this is how God works. I heard this song a week before the cruise. So as we're going down to the cruise, I'm like, I get, you know, like, uh, I think when we came back, I hit the song on my phone and, and it starts out with Port of Miami, Port of my candy. And I was just like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta play this, you know, a little, a little Rick Ross. Can we, can we come to terms with the fact that I think that Rick Ross is doing one of two things. He is either imitating and making money off of Biggie's noise that he used to make. Uh -huh. The whole, or uh -huh. him and Biggie were just trying to breathe on the track. <laughs> I, I, I can say it's a little bit of both. <laughs> I love Big and I love Rick Ross, and I definitely would say, yeah, Rick definitely took that. But Big, I know Big has sinus problems, so that's definitely where that came from. <laughs> you know, because because I know I have to clear because I got bad sinuses, so I got to. <clears throat> You know, I got to clear that, but I've never done all. Oh. <laughs> right, right. Hey, became his signature. Became his signature. Yeah. yeah nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but I'm like you, Dan. I listen. I listen to music. You know, I I go. I can go from hip hop to old school to to um, Led Zeppelin. Like I I grew up. Now, see, my mom and dad were from the inner city. Well, my mom was from the south, and so was my dad's family. But they both moved to New York, and they went to school, and they moved into the inner city. And I went to a suburban high school, so I know both sides of music. Like when, And I understand how it is when you're listening to music, it calms you down, and it gets you thinking in the right frame of mind. Because um, I don't know about Rick Ross. Rick Ross might get me a little excited.